Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Geek Generation. I'm your host, Rob Logan. And our interview today is with Joshua Seth, who you may know as the voice of prominent characters in Digimon, Akira, and various other productions. Or you may know him as a stage performer and mentalist. Or you may know him as the author of various books, including Finding Focus in a Busy World. But today, he's here to talk with me about everything he does, but most importantly, Digimon Adventure Tri Reunion, which will be available for the first time in North America on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital copy on May 16th. Now, here's Joshua Seth. Hey there. Hi, how are you? Hey now. Hey now. Okay, uh, so Josh, I am super pumped to talk to you. Uh, I get a ton of interview requests, but uh, I saw your bio, and I don't take every interview request, but I was like, this guy is so in my wheelhouse, I have to talk to him. <laughs> oh, nice, okay. A lot of stuff on there was interesting to me. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about right away is that uh, I've, I've had the opportunity to interview a lot of voice actors over the years, and I'm not 100% sure what it is about that community, but voice actors are by far some of the kindest people I have met. And I'm curious if uh, you've noticed anything about the industry that you think would attract those type of people to it. You know, I've noticed the same thing, too. And I think it's, I think all actors have to be very empathic mm -hmm. because what you're doing is you're literally putting yourself in someone else's shoes and walking a mile. So it's tends to make you have more of an open heart and be a kinder individual. However, for on-camera actors, the industry is so competitive that it tends to work at cross-purposes to that outcome. Mm. Whereas it's not that voice acting is not competitive. Of course it is. It's just that it's a smaller community. We tend to work with a lot of the same people over and over. It's more relationship-driven. And our unique voices are exactly that unique. So if somebody wants a Joshua set sound, they're not going to end up hiring somebody else to approximate it. They'll hire me. Sure. So I think we're in a little corner of the industry that allows us to behave in a kinder, more humanistic fashion without having to stab one another in the back in order to get those opportunities. Sure, sure. Now, when, when did your interest in acting begin? Was it always voice acting specifically or just acting in general? Yeah, so I actually started as a stage actor in musical theater doing eight shows a week for 10 years from the time I was eight to 18 because I lived very close to what at the time was the largest equity musical theater venue in the country. It started as a 500-seat theater and it grew to about 2,000 seats. So when the Broadway plays would go on tour and they'd come to Ohio where I was, I was almost always one of those local hires. Oh, wow. I, I did it pretty much continuously throughout my childhood. Uh, the very first play I was in was as the child lead in The King and I, played Prince Chella Longcorn in Yul Brenner's touring cast of The King and I. That's a pretty huge production to start with. Yeah, exactly. And then that went well and I ended up doing four productions of Oliver, uh, one of which was uh, head, headed by uh, Rip Torn as Fagan, and I was Artful Dodger, and I did over a thousand performances of that. Oh my goodness! So that was my training was you know on the stage, on the job, doing singing and dancing and, and acting in, in front of real paying audiences, and then I went to film school. 
film, TV, radio was the track at Tisch School of the Arts at New York University in Manhattan. And I had a radio program there. And I ended up doing a bunch of voices, calling myself Jonathan Winter style, <laughs> just to just to mess around and do a bunch of vocal characterizations, supposedly calling into myself, improv comedy style. And then I spliced the, those calls together and made a, a demo tape out of it, got an agent in Hollywood and started my voiceover career. That's how it began. Wow, that's pretty amazing. That is a like really starting young. Mm-hmm. I think it's very helpful in performing arts to start young because it is such a competitive industry. And if you grow up in it, you definitely have an edge because you've got your 10,000 hours of expertise under your belt, you know, when others are just trying to get their first agent. In your, uh, in your voiceover career, you have a ton of anime. That's kind of the predominant thing there. Yeah. Uh, was, was staying in anime a conscious decision or, uh, did you branch out to even more things beyond that? No, it's just sort of where the industry wanted me to go. And I've always taken that philosophy to heart that I just always wanted to be an entertainer and I always wanted to perform from the time I was very young, but I never wanted to put some sort of artificial restriction on that. So I always went where my passions lied and where the industry wanted me to go. So if I was being booked in a certain area like anime, I just keep going as far as I can go in that direction. Mm. Kind of go with the uh, go with the tide or go with the flow with of the, the water, flow. if you will. Yeah. Well, the motion of the ocean, uh, as it were, of the entertainment industry is too strong to swim against. Mm. So if you want to be successful, you pretty much have to be like a surfer and notice the direction of the wave and ride it as far as you can. Now, when you're developing these uh, different voices, you mentioned the radio show and uh, all the characters that you've done over the years. When you're developing these different voices for the different characters, where are you pulling inspiration from for that? Either my own personality and life experience, which that was the case for Ty and Digimon, because I basically did my own voice, just pitched up with a little more energy and hype like this, mm-hmm. or for a lot of video games that I did, or more out there characterization, I would actually use as inspiration the Harry Potter books. Really? When they first came out, I read, I love those books. I still love them. I still, I read them to my children now. And I've read all of them out loud twice doing all the vocal characterizations. Oh, wow. So if there was an audition for a character that reminded me of a character from Harry Potter, I might strip away the accent. I might make that person younger or different in terms of physicality and vocal nuance, but I keep in the back of my mind those very well fleshed out characters from the world of Harry Potter and, and use them to inform the, the read and make it more rich and deep and full. And nobody would know that because the sound would come out differently, but it gave me a backstory and a life to draw on. So it's more than just the voice. You're really pulling from yeah. uh, a larger character that you have in your brain. Exactly. And also Shakespeare, because I did a lot of Shakespeare in the park uh, when I was younger and uh, read a lot of the works. And there's a lot to be said for the timeless philosophy and characterization expressed in those plays. So when appropriate, I would naturally refer back uh, to those works as well. I think even though an animated property might be for kids, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll bring something deep and profound from all of human experience to it and make it more timeless. Uh, even, even Digimon, obviously it's 
it's had a, it's taken on a life of its own over the past 15 years. And, you know, I hope that the vocal characterization that I've portrayed originally remains honest and true and, and authentic to Pi's core, which is courage. So uh, in relation to that, I had read that in about 2005, you left Hollywood to pursue a myriad of other things. I'm curious why you left that behind and also why uh, you came back to it. Sure. Well, originally I left it behind because I had to make a choice between touring as a live variety entertainer or staying in one place, staying in Los Angeles as a voice actor. Uh, It got to the point where both those careers had become so successful that it was not possible to continue doing both. Mm. Although all the voice work required that I stay put in Los Angeles and all the touring opportunities for my live shows required that I get on airplanes and leave Los Angeles. And I figured, you know, I had done the Los Angeles thing and the voiceover thing for over a decade Mm -hmm. and I wanted to experience the life of a touring entertainer. And now that I've done that and performed in over 40 countries all over the world and done television specials and headlined some of the largest cruise ships in existence and performed in front of 25,000 people at the Mandalay Bay Arena in Las Vegas. And, you know, even though, even this past weekend, I raised uh, over a million dollars with my show for families undergoing pediatric care treatment at the National Institute of Health. Oh, or wow. Tom- tomorrow, I'm flying down to Cabo San Lucas to perform at an event, you know, now that I've had a decade's worth of that experience, now I feel like the pendulum can swing back a bit and I can reintegrate myself into the world of voiceovers, which only happened because of Digimon. Hmm. So the other things that you pursued, I'm just as curious about these as being a voice actor, because I, a few years ago, I got very much personally into uh, the world of like clinical hypnotherapy and NLP, and I've done okay. a ton of reading on all those subjects. And uh, I actually listened to your book over the weekend because those are things that I'm incredibly interested in. You mentioned in your book that your father was a psychologist and a hypnotherapist. Yeah. Is that a big reason why you also wanted to pursue those things? I think I had a foundation in those skill sets because of my upbringing with both my parents are psychologists, but also I like the work of Kreskin, who I saw tour when I was very young and and would do sort of a a mentalism, uh, an early version of a mentalism show. I always was always intrigued by that. And I always liked the idea of doing a one man live stage show. Mm -hmm. So what I knew was I knew magic and I knew psychology and Kreskin was an example of how to marry those two on the stage. So I wanted to do my own version of it. But it took years. It literally took me like seven years to become good at it. And you'd mentioned hypnosis. I actually got my uh, hypnosis training from Orman McGill, who was the person who originally brought stage hypnosis to this country from the UK. Oh, no way. Yeah, he wrote the original encyclopedia of stage hypnosis. He's since passed on, but he gave me my original training in hypnosis. And that was an early version of my show was a hypnosis show. Now, when I do uh, full evening stage shows at theaters, the first act will be mentalism, amazing demonstrations of the power of the mind, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the second act will be hypnosis. Hmm. So, so you, have you, you've done it on uh, both extremes. I know you've done the stage and you've done uh, the mentalism. Have you done uh, hypnotherapy in the more personal, like one-on-one setting? Not in the one-on-one setting, but I have written three books. And the first book was on weight loss hypnosis. And I would give uh, lectures on how to use mindsets to change your emotional response to food and eating and get your weight 
and, and eating patterns uh, under control that way. And my second book was for speakers, but my third book, my, my current book that, uh, that I speak on now is about mental focus. And a lot of mental focus comes down to mindset, comes down to the way that you speak to yourself. It's called self-talk. Since you studied NLP, you know mm-hmm. that Absolutely. has a great bearing and influence on our success in life. Uh, and, and self-hypnosis, because all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. So what we put into our brains, we get out in terms of our, our reality and experiences in the world. Our perception becomes reality. One person can, you, could, you know, you could, you could be living in the same family and under the same roof and one person look outside and see the sun shining and the other person be depressed and looking inward, uh, you know, and, and see only dark storm clouds. But that all has to do with your perception and attitude and mindset. So that's a lot of what my book is about. Finding focus in a busy world means, you know, finding a focus that is purposeful, present-minded, process-oriented focus that allows you to do your best work and give your gifts in the fullest fashion. And it's it couldn't be more relevant than now when we're inundated with such uh, the digital age when we have so much media coming at us from all directions. Well, that's a lot of what keeps us from being able to give our best creative output to the world. For those of us that are people, uh, are creative people, uh, is we're consuming so much content. We have these little computers in our pockets in the form of our phones and iPads and laptops that you know we never unplug and disconnect from this constant stream of information. So the more you take in, the less you're capable of putting out. And when you do put it out, it's likely going to be derivative of the things that you've been taking in all day. Mm. I'm a big proponent of unplugging whenever possible, go outside, take a walk, see the sun, have a conversation, look deeply into someone's eyes and be present with yourself and the world around you. On that note, you stress the importance of uh, that downtime. And uh, as much as everyone wants to keep working and working to get ahead, uh, those breaks and those periods of relaxation, uh, what is it you do with your downtime? I have a, a lot of downtime now. I've structured, I've designed my life in a way so that most of the time is downtime with brief spurts of creative output that maximize effectiveness and impact and profitability. And I think that's the, the best way to go because it's, it's necessary to have silence between the notes in order to hear the music of life as it were. Oh, absolutely. And with my own downtime, I like to play with my kids. I have two preschoolers and that's the best way to reconnect with creativity and humanity is you know, like just playing with children. And fortunately I have two of my own so I can play with them all the time. <laughs> uh, but also I like, I like to paddleboard. I like to golf. I like the, the mindfulness and present minded focus is necessary mm-hmm. to excel at golf. Uh, I've recently started playing tennis as well. And uh, I jog three miles along the waterfront every morning when I'm at home. Oh, wow. Before I do anything else. Get out of bed, go jog. And as, but as also as a result, I'm in better shape now in my 40s than I was in my 20s. Oh, wow. Really? Oh, oh yeah. Most definitely. Then I need to get on that uh, morning jog, train myself. <laughs> and, and, well, there's a, you'll have resistance because we all have resistance to, to um, we all have resistance to entropy. Mm-hmm. initially, right? It's difficult to take an object at rest and put it in motion initially. Mm. But once you do that, it snowballs and it just becomes a way of life. So uh, you mentioned your kids briefly. Um, and I'm curious what they think 
uh, about the, the different things that you do, because I imagine having a voice actor slash uh, magician slash mentalist father would be the coolest thing in the world. Is that what they think or is it it's just dad doing dad? No, no, they have no idea what I do. They're little kids. That's what's so <laughs> pure about it. They don't know. I mean, sure, Tiger, my son's name is Tiger Max. I've taken him on tour with me before, and he's been backstage, and he's been in the audience, and he's been on the stage. But little kids, they have an oceanic view of life. So, in other words, the world unfolds before their eyes as they're experiencing it, and the rest of it doesn't actually exist in their consciousness. Mm. And that's why they're able to play and create with such abandon. I, I believe Picasso uh, said that, you know, the, the journey of the artist is to get back to that uh, form of, of pure creativity that we all had as young children, something to that effect. So, yeah, they don't, I mean, sure, they know I do. I can do pull a coin out of their ear or something. <laughs> or, uh, they've seen Digimon, you know, I've, I've shown them the, the first episode of the first series. Uh, on Netflix, I think the movie is there as well. They've seen a little bit of that. Dada, is that you? But they don't know that that's unusual. Mm-hmm. They don't know that you know that everybody's father doesn't necessarily do that. And of course, that'll go away as they get a little bit older and more familiar with the world. But it's pretty cool to just you know purely be in the moment with them, experiencing life as they do at this point. Because you know, my my son thinks he's Batman. You know, we played. He likes to play with Batman and dress up as Batman. He's told me he's little Batman because he can't fly yet. So he doesn't even know Batman doesn't fly. <laughs> but that's the, like, for a creative person or a performer, like, that's the best, most pure form of play, to play with and like a preschooler. Absolutely. I'd, I'd even go so far as to say it's the best kind of training for an actor is to, is to do theater games, essentially, with a preschooler. To live in that world of imagination. It's completely in the world of imagination. So uh, so to talk about Digimon, because that is what we're here to ultimately do, uh, what was it like to come back to a character a decade after having voiced him? So surprisingly, it felt completely natural and as though I had never left. I thought I would be rusty in the recording booth since I hadn't done it in 10 years, but... I'll tell you, I heard those three beeps in my headphones and started voicing the character. And from the very first line, it just felt as natural as riding a bicycle, like as though I had never left. And it was a great feeling. And uh, I know that this is uh, one of several releases we have upcoming for the new Digimon movies, correct? I believe so. Uh, I have been told uh, that there are numerous iterations of it in Japan. But I don't know what form that's going to take here in the United States yet. So we'll have to stay tuned to, to find out what the studio chooses to do with them. Gotcha. But I, I, mean, I, can only assume that, I can only assume that if the audience support is strong for this first uh, Digimon Adventure Tri reunion, you know, that they're wanna, going, going to want to keep putting uh, time and resources into the rest. And of course, I'll want to be involved as well because I'm having a blast doing it. Uh, so, so when you're doing voice acting verse, so you had started on the stage when you were young, uh, you'd gone into voice acting and then even progressed back onto the stage in a different format. What do you uh, get creatively fulfilling you differently out of both of those experiences? Primarily when I'm on tour, uh, the, the creative hit is being able to interact with a live audience in real time. It's very isolating to do voice work in a recording studio and then have to wait weeks or months to get the feedback from the audience. 
fortunately, we have social media now, so I am able to interact with fans that way. And of course, I'm able to make appearances at Comic-Con and do Q&As with the fans, and I, I always enjoy doing that. But there's nothing like real-time live performance to, to get a, a, a jolt of energy from both the, the performer and the audience. Uh, there's, there's just nothing like it. Is there a particular show uh, that stands in uh, or stands out in your mind as being just a completely overwhelming experience? Something uh, where when they say, I don't want to say your favorite show, but something that was maybe the most uh, personally meaningful for you or had a, a moment that stood out to you? Uh, as a live entertainer? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, just this past weekend, I had the opportunity to headline an event for the National Institute of Health, uh, whereby they were able to use ticket sales from my show to raise over a million dollars to help the families of uh, children undergoing uh, pediatric care and research. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's as meaningful as it gets to be able to take something that's merely entertainment and impact real lives uh, in, a, in, a, in a deep and uh, fulfilling way. Uh, also, we're a very geek-centric show, uh, hence the reason we're talking about Digimon and such things. What kind of media do you consume? Hardly any at all. Uh, so I don't have television. I never have. Um, I watch things that I download from iTunes. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I've never seen a TV show or a movie. I just sure, buy them sure. and download them and watch, watch them on airplanes. But mostly I listen to books on Audible. Because mm. I'm always jogging or walking through airports or, and whatnot. And I, so I have a rolling university in my mind of, of all these audible books. And in fact, my book is on audible. That was one of the most meaningful voiceover recordings I ever did was when I actually, for once, got to read my own work when I read Finding Focus in a Busy World in the recording studio for release on iTunes and Audible. That's how I consumed it. Oh, I would awesome. highly recommend uh, people get it that way, too, because I personally uh, enjoy hearing the words from the author themselves and hearing them the way that they were intended. Yeah. Did you like the read? Because was a, I, I, I just I ended up reading it in a very kind of slow and thoughtful way, just the way that I wrote it. Yeah. And I thought it was very uh, appropriate for the material you were presenting. Nice. Thank you. I hope it was of use to you. And give me a review. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. Those are useful. Well, one of the things I'll definitely say in favor of the book is that uh, while a lot of books talk about the theory, not as many offer practical steps and things that you can actively do like yours does. I agree. And thank you for saying that, because that was my objective was for it to be in a way guide living the best version of your life possible. I, I really wrote it for my children. I've always had this feeling that I'm going to live a short life and, you know, with uh, the amount of airplane travel <laughs> that I do, it's, you know, it's possible that, sure, sure. that uh, you know, that something will happen. So I wanted to leave a guide for my children as to how they can have the greatest impact uh, with their own lives. And then after I wrote it, I found it had an audience among creative people, among entrepreneurs, and among uh, business people. And I, uh, since it's come out, I've, I've begun speaking, and I'm enjoying being a speaker as well. I've been speaking at conferences and events all over the country about, men- about mental, I should say, about mental focus, because that book, Finding Focus in a Busy World, it really is about, it is the confluence of what I do on stage as a mentalist, mm-hmm. which is the practical application of mental focus. 
and the story of the characters in Digimon, which is to find their way back to reality in the real world after they've been sucked into the digital world. That's an interesting dichotomy that I had not thought about until you mentioned it. That's why I said it. <laughs> um, so uh, because of the, the the breadth of experience you've had uh, in a, a various amount of different things, what's what's next then? What are you uh, looking forward to doing? Are you enjoying that downtime, as you mentioned? Well, I'm flying to Cabo San Lucas tomorrow to perform my show at a, at a corporate event. So that'll be fun. And then I'm looking forward to going to Los Angeles and doing more interviews and support of Digimon the rest of the week. And honestly, I'm just, I'm always looking forward to whatever it is that I'm doing. I think that's one of the keys to living a joyful life is gratitude and, and just uh, being fully appreciative of whatever you are doing at the moment. So fortunately, I've been able to cultivate that in my own life. And I have a lot of uh, you know, very fun things going on, certainly, but Whatever, whatever it is I'm doing at the moment, I'm, I'm grateful for the ability to do it and committed to doing it as well as possible. Awesome. Uh, so as we start to wrap up, because we're getting close to hitting our time, what else can I promote from you aside from Digimon Adventure Try? Uh, Finding Focus in a Busy World is your book. Uh, social media things, can we plug any of that for you? Yeah, sure. I'm very active on Facebook and somewhat active on Twitter and YouTube, so people can follow me there. Um, but link to my fan page, please, not my personal page. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, <laughs> my website's joshuaseth.com if they want to check out everything that I've been doing. Uh, and then finally, uh, I'll be making some appearances at Comic-Cons this summer. So follow me on social media for announcements of where those will be. And if people want me to come to their Comic-Cons, suggest me at their local Comic-Cons. And, you know, I'm always, I'm always excited to show up, meet the fans, do a Q&A. And, and if, the, uh, if the event organizers are into it, uh, it's always fun to do a live show there as well. Well, I do a lot of panel moderation at Comic-Con, so perhaps I will see you at one coming up soon. That would be awesome. Thank you so much. This was an absolute privilege. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks again to Joshua Seth for joining me. Digimon Adventure Tri Reunion will be available for the first time in North America on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital copy on May 16, 2017. For everything else that we do, you can head on over to thegeekgeneration.com. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. We always appreciate those. You can watch live podcasts, cooking, and gaming at twitch.tv slash thegeekgeneration. Follow at Geek Generation on Twitter and support the show by going to thegeekgeneration.com slash support. Send emails to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. We'll be back soon with more stuff for you, and we will see you then. Later. Make it so.